0: Alright, everybody. Good morning. Welcome. You are in um, Spirituality in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So I'm guessing either you like Marvel movies and you want to watch some clips this morning, or you have grandkids who do and you want to understand what they're doing. So uh, Awesome. Awesome. I'm really glad you guys are, um, are with me today. Uh, let me tell you a little bit how about how I ended up doing this. Um, I am a preacher at a church in Providence, Rhode Island. And that is my main job. But then I have a hobby that I run a podcast called Marvel News Desk. So this is us back in January. We got to talk to Vincent D'Onofrio. It was our biggest interview get yet. And, uh, I've, you know, we've been around for a while. We've been doing like 213, 214 episodes, something like that. And when Mike Cope found out I do that, he was like, oh, you should do the podcast stuff at, at Harbor. You should do a lesson with it. And I was like... Okay, I guess so. And so that's kind of where we are. I work really hard with our church in Providence not to talk about Marvel stuff in my sermons. If I get anywhere close to it, I see the eyeballs start to roll and people are not excited. I have one particular critic. She's one of my best friends, but she will mock me endlessly. And so today I'm letting that freak flag just fly, okay? We're just going to go full core into all of those things that I am usually the only one thinking about. Um, Let me talk about a couple things real quick. Uh, It's not comic book movies unless you talk about spoiler alerts. So we will talk about some movies and shows from 2021. We're talking about nothing from 2022. So if you haven't caught up on Moon Knight yet, shame on you. But that's okay. We won't get there. And I have not seen Doctor Strange along those lines. If you see Doctor Strange tonight and you see me tomorrow morning, don't talk to me. I will love you with the love of the Lord, but we will not be friends anymore, okay? So, uh, but yeah, we'll have nothing new in those. Also, we're gonna have some video clips. Um, Acquiring those clips in a format that I could use is um, difficult. So if you notice, they're not exactly 4K. There's reasons for that, okay? So, but we'll still do um, some video clips today. I wanna start out with, what we don't want to do, okay? Uh, I'm going to show you a clip from a church. If this is your church, I am sorry in several ways. But um, this is what I don't want to do today, all right? Just saw this on Twitter recently. All right. That's terrible, okay? And there's a few reasons I find that terrible, okay? Uh, Number one, um, it's really unfair to the Marvel text, okay? Like... It just sort of says that it's just this cheap paint that we can slap onto anything. Uh, also, I think it betrays the idea that we have nothing significant to share, right? So come to church, and we'll do a cheap Marvel knockoff, because if we did the gospel, that would be boring. But instead, we will do something kind of vaguely marvel And I don't think um, that's any good. It's also just... Um, It's just a bad replica, right? It's like a bad Halloween costume or a bad candy bar. People just can see that it's kind of gross and it doesn't look the right way. Uh, There's also all sorts of things that you bring in with it. Um, We're going to talk about Marvel and the devil in a minute, but uh, Loki is a bad example. He's super attractive. Everyone loves him. He has his own TV show. Like Loki is universally adored. So why in the world would you want the devil to be this character, right? There's all sorts of missteps. And most importantly, let's leave Chumbawamba alone, right? They gave us a great song from 1997 that we don't need to bring back from the grave, allow them to rest in peace. I assume some of them may be dead at this point. I don't know. I haven't looked that up. Um, but this is what I don't want to do. Because to me, this is... Oh, it's a registration window. They really want me to jump on the Wi-Fi. Um... The problem with this, I think, is that what we're doing is that we're really not taking the text seriously either way, right? We're doing a really cheap version of both. And that's not what I want to do this morning. My hope is that today we can look at the sort of text of these movies and what's happening at Marvel Studios, you know, just down the street here um, over at Burbank. What are they trying to do? What is the message that they're sharing? And how does that interact with our worldview as Christians? Uh, Or the many worldviews that we have as Christians? What are the things that we think that maybe work? And we only do that by taking the movie seriously and by taking our faith seriously. And if you do either kind of in a cheap way, it's uh, it's not particularly helpful um, to either. And so that's what we're going um, to try to do today. We're going to look at some Marvel movie clips. We're going to talk about what... Those texts are saying about the world, and we're going to go from there. I think it's important because I do believe that comic book movies have an outsized impact on our secular world's understanding of ethics and morals. That may sound unusual to you. I mean, it's kids' movies. But the reality is that we do live in a pluralistic world. Like, Christians have been hand-wringing for a long time now, right? Postmodernism is coming Nothing is good, nothing is bad, everything is just a matter of gray, nobody says what's right or what's wrong, and comic book movies are still the one place in our world, you can't go to Washington, D.C. and say anything's really right or wrong or tick people off, but if you say it in a comic book movie, people are like, yeah, there's good guys, there's bad guys. It is popular moral philosophy being shared, and I think it's worth it when you look At the expanse of these movies and the box office and their popularity, it is shaping particularly secular kids' imaginations. How their moral imagination works is often shaped by these stories. And I think it's worth taking a little look at what that looks like. And I'll tell you, I'm a bit of an optimist. Uh, you can see I'm a fan. I have my Doctor Strange sweatshirt here today. I just got a Disneyland to represent. Uh, I'm pretty positive on this. Um, you, it's probably another lecture about everything is wrong with it. But I hope that we can see um, some good things from my perspective on this. So let's start with our movies. And we're talking a little bit about Spider Man, everybody's favorite. Uh, Spider Man No Way Home. You all saw it. Statistically, that must be true, given how much money it made, right? Uh, SNL said President Biden just stopped seeing Spider-Man, right? Like, that's why COVID rose. It's because everybody was seeing Spider-Man. Super popular movie. And in this movie, Spider-Man is faced with all these villains from other universes. And it's fun for the audience because those villains are from previous movies. So there's about about 20 years of Spider-Man movies now. And the current Spider-Man, Tom Holland, is faced with all these villains. And what we're going to watch today is he interacts with one of these villains and his dear Aunt May. And then we'll talk a little bit about and then a further scene where that kind of blows up in his face. And what's really interesting here, what I want you to look at is in the story, he's trying to send these folks back to their universe. But then he finds out that if he does so... They all may die because it seems that they were taken from the moment of their death. And he starts to become conflicted. So we'll do a clip and we'll talk about it a little. So, one of the really fascinating things that happens in this movie is that the villains are reimagined. Often in our stories, whether it's Disney or comic book movies, villains are an evil to be vanquished, to be killed to be destroyed, right? Whether you know Gaston falling off the cliff or Maleficent getting falling off a cliff, I think, or Snow White's evil stepmother falling off a cliff, right? Like you can always fall off a cliff in Disney. There's no blood. It's a great way to kill the bad guys, right? But often this is the way we deal with things. What's really interesting is this movie in a way is a criticism of the five that came before this series because they're saying whenever we deal with bad guys we just kill them and aunt may says no that's not how you deal with your enemies these people aren't bad people these people are sick people these people need help Mm -hmm. these are people that have psychiatric issues and all sorts of stuff they've you know They've also been attacked by chemical weird stuff in a lab somewhere, right? I mean, like, or bitten by a, a, you know, a a lizard or something. You know, like, there's all this weird stuff. I know he's not bit by a lizard, but there's all this (laughs) weird stuff, right? And this idea of Norman should be sympathized with and should be cared for and should be taken care of and should be rehabilitated, not punished and killed. It's a fascinating and sort of... Beautiful message, right? In a world where that's not so popular. Right? I see on social media all the time, people are like, what's the only good thing to do to a Nazi? Punch him, right? Like, or uh, how do you fix a bad guy with a gun? A good guy with a gun. We live in a world that is full of retributive violence. And Spider-Man says, that's not the way to go. And to teach a generation of kids, if you have an enemy, empathizing with them, Loving them, trying to rehabilitate them, that is the way to treat your enemies. It is not to try to just expunge them. It's a fascinating moral stance to take, particularly because it flies in the face of a lot of comic book movies, right? Um, And and the the, the text of this movie is they're even criticizing what's come before. But it's not just a one-off. I'm going to do a little clip here from Falcon and the Winter Soldier, a TV show that came out last year on Disney+. And this is an interesting movie be- or show because it follows the legacy of Captain America. And if there is any v- hero who is known as a killer, it's Captain America. You don't think about it this way, but he's a soldier. He fights in World War II. His origin is that he goes into Germany and he just kills the bad guys. And so this, the show is about Cap's legacy and his friends and his coworkers and how they pick up That legacy and what it says about the United States of America and how we deal with our enemies. And so there's a scene here, there's going to be this terrorist lady who's kind of trying to reshape the world in her image. And Sam, who was Cap's uh, partner, is going to try to talk her down instead of escalating the violence. Uh, what we see there what's, throughout the narrative of that show is a conversation about de-escalation and nonviolence and what's the way to go forward, right? It is not an accident in the show. It's supposed to be political commentary that the guy wrapped in the American flag is the guy who says, we don't have any time to talk. We just got to fix things and comes in and immediately wants to respond with violence. Sam treats her with empathy and kindness. I understand where you're coming from you got to understand that what you're doing is not making the world any better. Again, this is a Captain America show. Captain America has shot a lot of people. And so to have a show that goes, if you're killing them, you're not making the world a better place. You're just making it different. That's a very surprising, subversive narrative in a Captain America story. But it's one that I think pushes, again, sort of a nonviolent ethic. Even in shows where punchy-punchy is kind of how they fix things, right? <laughs> there still is this, this subcurrent. And I think it's something we can, we can appeal to, right? We all know this famous passage with Jesus. An eye for an eye and a tooth for tooth. But I say turn the other cheek, right? You're not going to solve your problems and your conflicts um, with violence. I thought about 1 Peter when we think about Spider-Man. The Lord's not slow in keeping his promise, God's just waiting because he wants everybody to be saved. He doesn't want to vanquish his enemies. He doesn't want to send people to hell. He wants people to know him and to be restored and renewed. Um, You know, Romans, this, it may sound weird in the context of Spider-Man, but it's a very similar message. We were still enemies and Jesus wanted to be reconciled with us. Peter feels like a fool for trying to reconcile with Norman. And May says, no, that's the way we do it. That's the right way to do things. And so we see, even in these movies that are all about punching folks, that there's this sudden surge towards nonviolence and to treating your enemies with respect and trying to reconcile them instead of take them down. Now, speaking of enemies, comic book movies are obviously going to talk a lot about villains and about bad guys, right? Um... And so it's interesting to me, how do they describe evil? What does evil look like in a comic book world? And I think it's kind of interesting. I want to spend a little time with Captain Marvel. I know a lot of people don't love it. Uh, It's my wife's favorite. It's part of the reason this segment's here. Um, And Carol is an Air Force pilot. She gets in an accident, gets superpowers, and then also gets amnesia. And so she is used by this warmongering uh, planet as sort of their weapon, because she doesn't know who she is and where she comes from. So I think there's two really interesting things about the depiction of evil in this movie. And it's that there's two different things that evil do. That's kind of two ends of the spectrum. On the one end, there is a very personal version of evil. The version that says, you're not good enough. Right. It's uh, obviously for this movie, there's a lot here about female empowerment, the way women are sort of mistreated in the workplace, treated like they're incapable. They're too emotional. You can't be trusted. But I want to just kind of pull out that lens. I think that's all interesting, but pull it out a little more to this way that evil, particularly in Scripture, is seen as being accusatory of human beings. You're not worth it. You're not good enough. You're not capable. Right? When Satan comes to Jesus, what does he say? If you are the son of God. Little seeds of doubt. The book of Revelation talks about Satan as one who accuses the people of God day and night. All these little things. You're not good enough. You're not capable. You're broken. You're ruined. It's as if Satan's job has always been to lift up the fallenness of humanity. Right? That's what they say. We made you. And she has all those images of when she falls and hits the ground. And Satan tries to define humanity by when they fall. God defines humanity by who they can be when they get back up. Mm. And that's very much what's at play here. That Carol is being told, you're not good enough. You're too little. You're too insignificant. You don't matter. And she says, no, it's, that's not true. That's not who I am. I am capable. And I don't have to prove it to you anymore. And so uh, we see something similar in Zechariah, right? Where Zechariah shows Satan. and He has this role of of, of criticizing um, Joshua, the high priest here. And God says, you don't get it. He was a burning stick that I snatched out of the fire. You cannot sit here and make these accusations and this belittlement of him be the way that we're going to define him. And what's interesting then is on the flip side... Evil is described in this film as this big corporate thing, right? It's this, this military state that is trying to oppress other people and trying to use Carol as their foot soldier. And there's times in scripture where we see that. Paul talks about how while we don't fight against flesh and blood, that evil is represented in, in, in the authorities, the powers of the dark world, spiritual forces, that there's this stuff around us. There's this big evil world that we contend with. Uh, I think about Psalms, about how the nations conspire against the Messiah, the kings of the earth, that evil is that little thing that makes you feel like you're worthless in your mind, but it's also the big thing that tries to build empires and tries to fight wars. And what this movie does really well is it connects those two. How do you give the raw natural resources for the war machine? It's by telling people they're insignificant and they don't matter. Or that other people are insignificant and they can just be run over and bombed and destroyed. That belittlement of the individual and the sort of war machine on the other end, those two things fit together. You do both. That is what the Kree are doing to Carol. You don't matter. You're insignificant. You're not important. Oh, but we'll take you on our side to fight our war. And evil sometimes does that. We often make our worst mistakes when we feel terrible. We do the worst things that hurt the most people because we're trying to prove ourselves and we're trying to feel loved and we're trying to feel important. We're trying to fill holes inside. And to me, this is a great depiction of evil. You want a Satan, it's Jan Rog. Okay, now yon Rog is not like a household name like Loki, right? So it doesn't work for the play. But there's a great description. Just a constant ripping down. You're not good enough. You're not capable. Accusation, accusation, accusation. And I think it's a fascinating great portrayal um, of evil. All right. We have, uh, oh, it's also, I don't think, a mistake that this happens. I just want to mention this quickly. If you don't know, these are some of our creators of these comic book characters. (laughs) We got Jack Kirby here on the left, Stan Lee in the middle, and then over there there's Joe Simon. Joe Simon made Captain America. Um, These men all have a really similar history they are all first-generation Americans from Jewish European families. <coughs> it is not a mistake that these stories at Marvel are about the oppressed who rise up to say, no, I'm valuable, I'm worthy, I'm important. These men, fortunately, families left Europe before Nazis, the Nazis came to power. But all Marvel comics are written in a bit of that shadow. Of what happens when we belittle somebody and treat them as if there's nothing? What happens when we say that a group of people isn't valuable and isn't worthy? The evil that comes from that, it is no mistake that it is all Jewish men who are writing these stories because they saw what happened to their brothers and sisters in Germany. That's always there and it's still a big part of those narratives we're being told. All right, my favorite to talk about on this subject is Dr. Strange. I left it to the last because I'd talked too long if I didn't get into it. Um, We're going to see a clip, and there's going to be five entities you need to know. I know some of you are like, oh, I'm starting to drag behind Caleb. So here they are. Number one, this is the ancient one. She is the spiritual guru, okay? Number two, we have Dr. Strange. In this movie, he is the novice who's sort of experiencing this new world. Number three is Cassilius. He is the apostate. He is the follower who has gone astray. Uh, Then we have Mordo, number four. Mordo is the faithful disciple. He is still following the Ancient One and kind of helping her teach Doctor Strange. And then Dormammu is just evil incarnate, Okay, Uh, You won't see all these characters, but their names will be talked about. What's really interesting in Doctor Strange, it's all about the world of magic and mysticism and wizards and all that stuff. And the movie, they set up very clearly early on that there is good magic and there is bad magic. And good people do the good magic, and bad people do the bad magic. And there's no crossing of those lines. Until they start to get a little more data that starts to shake their worldview. So, uh, Dr. Strange is directed by a guy named Scott Derrickson. Uh, Scott actually lives here in Malibu, so someday it's like my secret dream to get him here somehow. Uh, But Scott grew up in a fundamentalist Baptist house. He was a Christian guy, still calls it, uh, still I think could consider himself a Christian today, last I checked, but also is very critical of the modern church. And without, within, all throughout Dr. Strange, Derrickson is trying to have a conversation about faith. It is a story about conversion. It is a story about a man who is selfish and self-absorbed and only worried about himself who's learning that message, right? It's not about you. But very interesting to me, I could talk, I could go on lots of tangents, okay? And we don't have time for those tangents. But the one I find really interesting here is the way he displays religious faith. In Doctor Strange, there are all the different types of faith we'd expect. There are the libertines, right? The bad guys are the ones who just do whatever they want. There's no rules. Doesn't matter, evil stuff, bad stuff, I don't care. I'm going to get into whatever I want to get into. And that's sort of one path. And there are the bad guys in the movie. Then Mordo is, he's in between. But he is the fundamentalist. There are rules. She can't be doing that thing because that thing's wrong and we don't do anything that's wrong. Strange says, Mordo is not going to understand what you're doing. She goes, yeah, but that's because he's so rigid. He can't flex. He can't, he's, he's so stiff. He has no way to see beyond himself. It is no mistake that our fundamentalist is the one who is willing to kill at the, 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 the tip of the hat. Because he has right and he has wrong. And if you are wrong, I, it is okay for me to kill you if I have to to stop you. It is Derek describing religious fundamentalism in all sorts of forms all over the world. When you're so inflexible that there is a right and there's a wrong, you'll justify anything in order to do the thing that you think is right. Meanwhile, they had this conversation. She goes, I don't like that I use the dark magic stuff, but I have only done it when I have to for people. And it is interesting that this is her ethic. When do I break the rules or not break the rules when it brings an end to human suffering, when it saves human lives? And for me, it, it reminds me a lot of Jesus talking with the Pharisees. You're picking grain on the Sabbath. It's against the rules. I love this passage because they say, you're breaking the rules, and Jesus never goes, no, I'm not. Jesus is like, yeah, I'm breaking the rules the right way.
1: (laughs) Right? I mean, there's
0: no other way to read that to me. You're doing this, and he goes, yeah, just like David. You're not supposed to eat the showbread. That's against the rules. But there was a human life on the line, and that human life mattered more than following the rules. That is a difficult discernment that Christians are called to. Sabbath was made for us, not us for the Sabbath, right? That's the way that that Mark sort of puts in that story. What is the role of our religious rules and our sense of right and wrong? They're important, and we don't want to be like the Casilius guy just throws them out. But when you become like Mordo and you are so strict on it, you'd rather see somebody die than to break one of your little rules. That becomes a spiritual emptiness that you see in Mordo, and I think Derrickson has very purposefully layered that throughout his movie. Uh, that's why it's one of my favorite. It also helps when you get this many Oscar winners, you know, like <laughs> on a screen together. They actually do a pretty good job. It's amazing. Um, but there's all those themes, and there's so much more that we could talk about with Strange. I am um, very proud of myself that I made it through most of this uh, on time. Um, you know, there's other things we could talk about. There's other stuff that doesn't work, okay? It is a secular product. So there's a, a trust in the individual that's probably way too too good. Like, there's an under evaluation of the sinfulness of humanity. Captain America never does anything wrong. And just, I just don't know any people like that, you know? Like, uh, the world's a little too dualistic. Uh, there are other gods, there are idols running around, right? The famous scene where Captain America meets the, the god of thunder, and he's like, where I come from, there's only one God, you know. Like, there, obviously, there are things that aren't congruous with our worldview. Um, but I think that I think if our kids can pick up some of the stuff, the non-violent stuff, the the anti-extremist message. I was almost every one of these clips had something about non-violence in it. Is Isn't that amazing to like see that that's what's going out a billion dollars at a time into our movie world? It gives me some hope. Um, and I find for us like. I find with our kids that a lot of what we try to teach them, uh, you know, the gospel comes first. But, you know, I can take this stuff and sort of say, yeah, it's like Spider-Man. You don't kill your, your enemies, you know? Um, and it, it just it gets me excited that that stuff's out there. We are really close to time. Um, does anybody have any particular question that came up? Do you like me to cover? Yeah. Uh, I just, uh, I love uh, your approach. And I've uh, preached several times on... The comparison between Daredevil and the Punisher. Oh, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So there you have the one who's willing to take a beating because he uh, is committed to hope to change the evil person. And, uh, and the Punisher who says, uh, they, we have to serve justice. Yeah. They've done terrible things. We have to wipe them out. And their interaction between each other, I feel, reflects the yeah. biblical message as well. Yeah, so Daredevil, if you don't know Daredevil, Daredevil is incredible. He is a lawyer, he is a vigilante, and he's a Catholic. And so at any given moment, and those are his big three things. At any given moment, he is asking, what is legal, what is righteous, and what is uh, you know, fair or good? And sometimes they don't line up. Like, this isn't the legal thing to do, but it's the righteous thing to do. And that's the world we live in. So Daredevil is great for those, those complex things. Any other questions? I probably could take one if you, anybody had one. Any thoughts? All right. It's nine, it is 10, 9.45, and I have finished on time. Yeah. I did not think that was going to happen. <laughs> All right, thank you, guys. We appreciate it.